Hello, my marvellous little mortals. You're very welcome back to Pontification. And I am, of course, joined by... Oh, shit! You didn't think of a name, did you? No, I forgot. Fuck. I'll give you... Do you want to just take a second? Take a breath? Hmm. Can I give you a name? I'd love that. Uh, Martin Shkreli. <laughs> oh, thank you for naming me. Can you baptize me? <laughs> In nomine Padre, Spiritu Sancti, etc., etc., etc. Fantastic. <laughs> Technically Latin. I'll take it. It'll do. How's tricks this week? How are you getting on? Okay, first of all, I don't appreciate your use of occupational humor. I don't understand how that's occupational. Are you it's Martin Shkreli? Um, I think we've already established that I am. Okay. No, I'm, I'm fine. I'm normal. How are you? I'm good. I discovered thermals this week. Um, oh, like long johns? They're kind of like long johns, yeah. And I just started wearing them under my clothes. And uh, the world's a better place. Um, I'm singing, walking around the place. I'm talking to dogs on the reg. Um, I'm eating healthier. I haven't been tempted to drink. I'm actually wearing... I'm wearing thermal leggings right now, but it's different because I'm not wearing pants as well. Okay, now I'm putting jeans over mine because, to be honest, uh, with the whole external genitalia thing, you do create a bit of an awkward situation wearing them without pants in public. I don't know. I kind of, like, I love men in leggings. I feel like we don't have enough men in leggings or, like, folks with dicks in leggings that aren't men, whoever. We tend to wear shorts over them just because, like, we can get done for it and then... You know. Wait, can you? Yeah. Is that a thing? Yeah. Your pants are too tight? You're, you're, uh, it's in decent exposure, yeah. If you can see the outline of to a To have of a really tight pants on. Yeah. What about, like, super skinny stretchy jeans? Um, uh, look, all it's, you're all one phone call away to the to Angarda Shiakana away from being done for it. I don't know if I believe this. What about the guy from Jane's Addiction? Um, I think in the 90s it was acceptable and now it isn't. That's the thing. Okay. Also, that was technically a cucumber. <laughs> I've seen them live. It's got realistic movement. <laughs> it's a squishy cucumber. Um, <laughs> it's gotten a bit old. Before we alienate all of our advertisers, would you mind if I move on with our sponsors? I mean, sure. Okay. <clears throat> it's more money for me. More money for both of us. This week, Pontification is brought to you by Fetishes. Is your sex life just the same five penetrative positions followed by ten minutes of oral? You need a fetish. Only a fetish can turn your vanilla routine into the stuff of bacchanalian legend. Watch your partner giggle gleefully as you produce an orange from an unspecified orifice. Hear them moan as you moisten the tips of moose antlers. And feel them gyrate as you gesture suggestively towards the jam jar. Fetishes. Because feathers and feet keep marriages sweet. <laughs> Ew. What's wrong with that? I mean, as a married person, I can attest, but I don't want to talk about it on a podcast. Well, you're not talking about it. Feathers? We're talking about... Feet? This is a good Christian show, Chase. As a friend of mine once said, kinky is a feather up your butt. You want a fetishist? You get the whole chicken. <laughs> now, Pontification is also brought to you this week by Paper Towels. Are you sick and tired of using your own face to mop up pasta spills? or using your ass cheeks to pick up stray peas, you need paper towels. 
Paper towels work through a sophisticated system of soak absorption and liquid attenuation that removes almost some of any liquid they come into contact with. Paper towels are also the perfect substitute for toilet paper. In an emergency situation, simply waddle from the bathroom to the kitchen with your trousers at your ankles while making eye contact with your family to alert them that you are safe. Paper towels. Just buy them, you freak. (laughs) Okay, first of all, you made the dog bark. (laughs) So, I don't know. She's really going for it. She really didn't like it. I think it's fine, but the dog is horrified. That's okay. Maybe maybe she'll like this next one. Hopefully. Ponsification is brought to you by ASMR. If you find yourself feeling a tingling sensation at the sound of my voice now, you probably qualify for ASMR. ASMR is this really weird thing that happens to some people when they hear weird sounds. If you think that you may be weird after hearing this, you should try some ASMR videos. ASMR, spine-tingling fun. How dare you? <laughs> Was that mean? Genuinely, yes. <laughs> it's okay. We got one more. <clears throat> and this one I think is quite apt given our, they knew what we were talking about to advertise this one, I think, uh, this week. Oh. So, and finally, Pontification is brought to you by Brains. You die and don't be human no more. Urge to kill and eat brain rise. Eat brain. Brain live in human head and taste like tasty dinner. Eat brain, get brain, hunt brain. Life is brain now. Brain is life. But don't eat Brian brain. Brian have no brain. Brain, it make me alive. (laughs) Oh, spectacular. You're happy with that one, are you? Good. Well done. Thank you. Some proper money. I like that one sponsor so much that I now like all the sponsors instead of hating them like I used to. (laughs) Thank you very much. Emma, why don't you tell the good folk at home what we're going to be having an old chin wag about this week? Why are you making me do this? Okay. Um, This week we're going to be biting down on the topic of cannibalism. Cannibalism. But hold on just one second there, because I'd just like to point out that the reason I'm making you do this is that I made a joke about doing a cannibal podcast not oh, four months ago, and you've suggested it at almost every time we talk about podcast topics <laughs> since, in an almost gleeful, excited merriment of <gasps> eating people. So, you've decided we want it's to talk true. about cannibals. We are now talking about cannibals. Floor is yours. Okay, you know how once a week I ring you and I'm like, Chase, I feel like if you gave me a chance, I could defend the shit out of cannibalism. Well, it's normally you ring me and say you've a thirst for human flesh. Um, but yeah, sure, I remember hey, the other Hey, one. not on the podcast, dude. You're going to freak out the ASMR people. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> it's. Did you ever sneak up behind someone and tickle them a little bit? No. Oh, well, don't, because people don't like that. That was going to be my point. I know. Yep, it's very true. (laughs) So, I feel like you you can't discuss cannibalism without talking about, you know, the most famous and largest group of cannibals in the world. Humans? Catholics. Oh, of course. Very true. Haunted bread. Mm -hmm. 
haunted bread, exactly. Which, I mean, I feel like no one actually believes this nowadays. But there was a whole period when they believed in, I can do this, transubstantiation? Yes, that's correct. Boom, amazing. Yeah, no, there was a whole period where they fully believed that the bread literally became the flesh of Christ. And they just, they were horsing it into themselves. Om nom nom, give me more Jesus. And yet they probably would have got far more nutritional benefit from actually having a horse at the time. I mean, probably, but we don't eat those because that's a bit of a taboo. I've done that. They happen in Polish restaurants a lot. They're nice. I mean, I briefly lived in France. I've eaten horse. I think it's fine. I don't know if it's special. I prefer kale. Yeah, they serve mine with ketchup, but I much prefer it with a Bernays sauce. Oh, stop it. Ah, 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 ah. You Can- need to either have some kids or give up this line of joking. Now, <laughs> what I wanted to tell you about the cannibal Catholics is I came across briefly, there was an Uruguayan rugby team who were like very famously in a plane crash and they resorted to cannibalism to survive and all of that happened. What I love is when they got home, people, it wasn't like the Donner Party where people were like, oh, we're just so glad you're home. People were like, oh, we're, we're kind of pleased that you're home, but did you eat your friend? And they were like, yeah, we had to eat our friend. It was very difficult and traumatic for all of us. And people were like, oh, that's yucky. And they were very much condemned for it until the Uruguayan rugby team came back and they were like, well, we're all devout Catholics and we spend so much time eating Jesus that we thought this would be like that. And seemingly the Uruguayan people were like, well, yeah, that does make it a little better. That softens it. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got plenty of critical things to say about religion, but the fact that it managed to defend these people who ate to survive, you know, fair enough. I'll allow it. Yeah, just this once. Um, yeah. In my research, I did come across the uh, the Uruguayan rugby team. The film Alive, I believe, documented that, uh, which is quite good, actually, if you get the chance. I've heard. It's We watched it in a religion class um, because we had the kind of religion teacher that didn't really care about religion. So we ended up watching like loads of ridiculous films and Alive was one of them and it was quite entertaining. But, uh, we had the other kind of religion teacher, the one who is like trying really hard to teach ethics and sociology, but to a room full of 15 year olds uh, who good, didn't care. Good luck. Good luck. She was lovely. I feel really bad for her. <clears throat> That's what happens. Um, yeah. So I've got a few little interesting tidbits, which was, uh, do you know what human meat tastes like? I sure don't, but I really, really, really want to. <laughs> As documented on our many midnight phone calls. I wish you'd stop doing them while I was sleeping with my wife and children. Um, so uh, if you ask the cannibals of Issei Sagwa, who's from Japan, it is gamey and odorless. Um, Armin Muse, um, a cannibal from Germany, says it's pretty much like pork, but slightly stronger and a bit more bitter. Um, and cannibals from Polynesia say that human meat tastes much like pork because most cannibals report the taste of human fish is called pork. Uh, we have a moniker in place. Human meat is known by the name Long Pig. Long Pig. Long I Pig. Love that. Yeah. Oh, that should have been my name. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> I think you're, you're doing fine there, Mr. Screlly. Um <clears throat> The taste of human flesh, however, depends on a number of factors, such as gender, uh, age, the oh. younger the victim, uh, the more tender the meat is. Uh, the part of the body eaten, and of course the method of cooking used, uh, for which you should definitely watch the TV series Hannibal from 2013, because the <laughs> recipes in that show, I watched him like gourmet cook a Thai, and I was just like, yeah, that looks amazing, I don't care. 
I, okay, so I haven't seen it, and I don't know whether you're being sarcastic. I'm not, no. There's some genuinely, like, serious montages of him cooking his victims with the most, like ridiculous gourmet techniques like creating a clay oven for a human pie and roasting it in lapsang souchong and green tea and stuff like it's incredible my goodness yeah it's really really impressive and Um, you're like interested in this you watched this and you liked it i like the show hannibal i'm into cooking and i watched this part and i was like that looks cool but you're gonna try and give me shit for being a little bit curious. Well, actually, if you want to get really fun about it, I've actually made one of the recipes from the show using a pork leg. <laughs> no, did I you? Have, I have. And it oh, stop it. wasn't great, actually. Disappointing. Um, oh, that's a shame. It's very subtle. Uh, but the whole ceremony of cracking the clay on top of the tie and unwrapping the banana leaf was quite cool and all that. I'll show you a video later. Uh, Please you, don't. <laughs> you may be aware there are multiple types of cannibalism. Um... Mm-hmm. They all have a different definition, but eventually all those means sampling long pig in one way or another. The most popular forms are endocannibalism and exocannibalism. Endocannibalism simply referred to what people of four tribes practice. By definition, it means eating the dead people with the belief that the souls of the deceased can live closely to their living families. Uh, so it's a religious thing, obviously, as with all other evil in the world. And exocannibalism means eating others in order to get hold of life forces and powers. Uh, so soldiers eating the meat and organs of their dead enemies to get <laughs> dead enemies to get their powers. <laughs> um, and usually selective body parts are eaten in the form of cannibalism. Um, practitioners of exocannibalism usually target the following organs. Brains for getting the knowledge of their enemies. Oh, but that's dangerous, right? Very dangerous, but we'll get to that. Uh, okay. heart for getting the power and courage of their enemies. I can understand that one. That's what I'd do. Uh, legs as well for getting the speed of their enemies, which to me doesn't make sense because by definition, that enemy was not a fast runner. I was just going to say, I don't want to eat a loser. Yeah, he clearly didn't get away. Um, I want to eat someone better than me. Uh, well, I mean, you're not going to get to eat me and you don't have any other options, so sorry. Um, Bummer. Do you know what type of cannibal I am? Is it auto cannibal? I am. Uh, I'm an involuntary auto cannibal. I do. I uh, bite my oh, nails. Same. Yeah, I bite my nails. I don't I bite my nails, but then I also bite the skin around my nails. I've done that from time to time. I've gotten past that one recently. I do regularly bite the inside of my own mouth though when I'm nervous. I'm sort of chewing away there. I do that, but to the outside of my lip. And it's bad because it's like a nervous, anxious thing. So you'll be like sitting in a job interview and they'll be like, we've noticed there's a lot of blood on your face. It also, it also, the biting of the bottom lip is a real seductive thing in bars. You'll see there's always that, that sort of thing like the biting the bottom lip and that lets the man know that you're open to being kissed or whatever. doesn't work if you bite the top lip though. (laughs) (laughs) I like how we just both went for that in sync. It's immediately what happens. Uh, but I'm an involuntary auto-cannibal. Almost every human being alive today practices this form of cannibalism. Eating dead skin nail- cells, biting fingernails, they're all considered involuntary cannibalism, and it's very benign. Um, there's a more sinister form of auto-cannibalism, and this is what's known as voluntary auto-cannibalism, and involves biting off no. muscles and eating them all together for body modifications. Um, people may even end up eating their own blood, an act referred to as... I don't know. Auto-vampirism. <gasps> There you go. Oh, I should have been able to guess that, actually. <laughs> you know what's always kind of troubled me? Hmm. When I was a kid, I 
was stupid because I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So I always assumed that a vampire's fangs worked like straws. Yeah. And that they would like puncture them like a Capri Sun. Well, it, you're not wrong to believe but that. But it's not that. Like you bite to make the hole and then you just suck the stuff out like a Capri Sun that doesn't have a straw. Well, there's every chance there's some sort of a straw-like substance within them. Because when you ever see a victim of a vampire attack, they've only got the two puncture wounds. They would have a bigger one. That's what I always thought. Surely it would like it would stretch out a bit with all the sucking. Do you know what? We will I save think that. the sucking would make it bigger. We will save that for our Buffy the Vampire Pontification <laughs> special. That'll be good crack. Um, so yeah, you were talking about survival cannibalism. This happens quite a lot. Do you know how long they survive for, by the way? No. 72 days before they were rescued. Uh, it was after day Jesus. 20 they started eating their, their fellow passengers. Um, which I mean you would, wouldn't you? Yeah, this article I found here had the weirdest quote ever which is that anthropologists say that survival cannibalism is in particular an excellent tool for surviving. But that is true for the short term. In the long term, if humans resort to cannibalism for survival, the entire race will be wiped out. More like an implosion. (laughs) All we have to do is eat each other until the whole of humanity collapses and there is no one left to be eaten. And I can't tell if the writer was like being a dick and just sort of telling a joke a or, if was, cheek. But, or if he was just there like, yeah, but if we were all cannibals, it wouldn't be great. You know, like, <laughs> what the fuck is that? Okay, so what I'm hearing is cannibalism in moderation. Um, no, you're not hearing that. You're hearing for survival only. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. <sighs> um, and how could we forget about medical cannibalism? Mm-hmm. Practiced widely in the good old civilized European nations during the Middle Ages, uh, medical cannibalism meant eating human parts for medical benefits. It was widely believed the human parts were perfect for curing several ailments, such as gout and headaches. Ironically, it was the name Europe, which de- it was the same Europe which denounced cannibalism among tribal people as barbaric. Um, when they were eating people, they were quite um, what's the term? They were quite predisposed towards virgins. Thought they were purer. And you gain more health benefits from them, as usual. Um, Makes sense, yeah. Yeah, they'd also... There's uh, also a thing about making virgins wee on you, isn't there? uh, I haven't... I mean, Trump was quite into it for a bit, if I recall. Oh. I don't know if we joke about sexual assault. I don't think it was sexual assault. I'm pretty sure he paid them. But were they not underage? Not that I'm aware of. Do you oh, know okay. what? We're talking about two different Trump stories. Apparently we are. Fuck, that's a low bar. <laughs> that's not even a bar. But actually, that's that's what happened in America and with the European hypocrites, isn't it? Columbus went to the New World and he recorded, he like he sent letters back or whatever, and he said, Oh, you know, the natives are lovely, they're really friendly, they're very welcoming, I'm having a lovely time. The issue is that before he left Queen Isabella had told Mm -hmm. him, you should treat your hosts with dignity and with respect, and you should be really kind, unless they're cannibals, in which case you should kill them all, all bets are off. And so they had gone there looking for gold, and when they realized there was no gold, they were like, fuck, what can we make money off? Ha ha, slaves. And that's when... Columbus arrived home and went, oh yeah, you know all those people that I was praising them and I said they were nice? No, they were cannibals. I could believe that. 
I, I do yeah. believe that. In fact, I'm pretty sure I've read about it before. Um, can I get back to my little facts and not be talking about sad Sorry. world things? We're meant to be talking about like far off funny cannibalism here. That's the whole point. Come on. Way to put a dampener oh, on it by talking about slavery. I'm sorry, could I cheer you up by giving you some more gourmet thigh recipes? Yeah, yeah, in a few minutes, once I'm finished this thing. Um, <laughs> in the case of female virgins, the most sought-after prize was blood from their body and also their menstrual blood, specifically. Um, young men mm. hanged to death were prized because many men had posthumous erections after death. The erections were viewed as uh, bestowing strength and virility, and that's why flesh from these dead young men was highly prized and sought after. Interesting. I thought you'd approve of that as an interesting tidbit. That is interesting. Like, don't get me wrong, virginity is a nonsense construct, but I do mm. like erections. Uh, yeah, I liked that one they had in November last year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that took me a second, but it's jolly good. Good for you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, that's kind of all I've got as factoids. You, you have plenty of other things to provide us with because you've been researching this for the better part of a year. No, you've known me for the better part of a year. I've been researching this all my life. Aha. Uh-huh. Carry on. I'm going to okay. lean back in my chair and get comfy. I feel like you've a lot to say. Yeah, I, I really do. Everyone settle in. Are you sitting comfortably? And square well, on your body begin. is the phrase, I believe, isn't it? Oh, is it? Are you sitting comfortably square on your body? Which is sitting That's up straight on weird. your bum. I'm not going to say that. That's the first ever, do you know where that comes? That's the first ever line spoken on the BBC. Really? Yeah, that's what it was when they first... I knew they were perverts. No, it just means he is sitting upright and comfortable on your bum. Square on your body. Yeah, Chase, sitting up really? and on your bum, yeah. Square on your body. Good posture, very important. <clears throat> okay, so. I'm going to talk about good reasons to eat people. There aren't any, but you go ahead and but, try. But before we do that... I kind of want to wade through a little bit of ethical talk for obvious reasons. And I'm going to do that by just contradicting Kant. And I realize it may seem arrogant to try and talk back to Immanuel Kant of all people, particularly over 200 years after his death. But he's dead, so I'll say what I want. And if it surprises you, that either myself or... Chase, can I speak for you? No. Okay. If it surprises you that just I would be not just willing but compelled to try and argue back with a dead person, then clearly you just got here. And I think you should go back to episode one and start there. So, there are a few different Kantian arguments against cannibalism which I've come across, and well, the good ones all invoke the formula of humanity. So, Basically, the idea is that humans must be treated at all times as ends and not as means. And on the surface, that seems like a pretty good reason not to eat people. You know, don't use someone as a tool for your own pleasure or gratification. And sort of baked into that same command, there's the idea that each person must be free to choose and pursue their own ends. So if you're allowed to eat Joe because that's what you want then you're actually restricting Joe from also eating you if that's what he wants. And that's not fair on Joe, who, to be clear for the purpose of this argument, is going to be my hypothetical victim. And so far I think this feels pretty straightforward, right? Don't eat people because it's rude. Yeah? There's more to it than that, but uh, (laughs) I'm going to let you simplify it just this once. 
So the dude, <laughs> this dude is just, he was preaching respect. You need to show respect to others, which includes allowing and if possible, promoting their hopes and dreams. It does not include killing them, eating them, or locking them in a cage, or whatever else you sick fucking listeners have dreamed up through no fault of mine. But we aren't talking about people. This isn't vor. Nobody is suggesting that we unhinge our jaws and swallow each other whole and alive like Jonah and the whale. We're talking about something that is going to happen after Joe is dead. Joe isn't in the room. He isn't making decisions or forming opinions. He is not expressing any particular desire not to be eaten. Corpses, unfortunately, are not people and are not autonomous. People tend to think these arguments sufficiently condemn cannibalism. It's wrong to eat a person just because it's not respectful to the person or to their wishes. But that's actually an argument against murder. Unless the person explicitly said, if I die, don't eat me. In which case I won't. It's not respectful or fair to kill Joe or to chop off his leg while he's sleeping and make off with it. But that's not actually enough to convince me not to eat him. You're aghast, aren't you? It sounds like I would eat Joe, doesn't it? You've already dialed the nine and the nine. I haven't dialed any numbers yet. But I will say this is um, I'm aware that you have a family. <laughs> and Who this, I love. Yeah, I'm just thinking I haven't seen the bottom half of any of them in quite some time. Because <laughs> they've been on Zoom screens for the last year. So I'm worried. That's all I'm saying. I'll, I'll send you photos. It's been, it's been a fun lockdown. With today's newspaper, if you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it kind of does. It sounds like I might eat Joe. Uh-huh. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't eat Joe and I wouldn't eat my family. Like, you know this, Chase. I don't even eat meat if it looks too much like meat. And I personally don't belong to a culture for whom funerary or endocannibalism is traditional. And to be honest, I don't even like humans. I can barely tolerate having them inside me as I do, let alone eating them. Uh-huh. <laughs> is this code? Are you fed up with humans? The point is, I am a really long, long leap away from suddenly deciding to consume human flesh. But I think it's important that we make space for others to do so, and that we make sure not to be overly condemning of the entire concept of eating human flesh, when... No. (laughs) No. (laughs) I'm not having this. You were literally saying, like, you know, we've got to be so tolerant and so woke... That cannibals will find room Emma for cried you. cannibal rights. We'll find a space yeah. for you to be what you... That's what you're saying here. You heard me. Um, that's not the hill I'm dying on. What I am going to do is I'm going to give you what I think... <laughs> it's the hill you've already died, been eaten, oh. sautéed on. What I do want to give you are examples of times when I think it's okay to be a cannibal. <laughs> because I can I can see you. Like, I know that you are thinking, oh, you think that we should all, you know, go around in dirty vans, gathering each other up, chopping each other to bits with a machete. Yeah, that's this what I'm been, thinking. Chase likes to judge me with your host, Emma. I'm not a cannibal. I'm just presenting the counter-argument. 
Uh-huh. If anything, I'm a goddamn academic. Great. You're a, you're a snack academic. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Let's look at auto-cannibalism first. Now, as the name would suggest, and Chase touched on this earlier, that's when you eat your own human flesh. Now, I saw a guy in the US a few years ago telling Reddit how he had to have his leg amputated after a motorcycle accident. So he asked a doctor if he could bring it home. He signed a few forms, and then he did. He brought it home, barbecued it, and ate it at a party. Because, like, fuck it, right? Why not? How often do you get a completely guilt-free excuse to try a little taste of the long pig? And the thread was interesting, but the pictures were a step beyond my comfort zone, I'm not going to lie. The toes were a bit much. <laughs> I'm also thinking it's different to get all the windshield glass out of your leg before you cook it, of course. There you go. Yeah, you just... you just. Oh, yeah, the tire tracks oh, are better. Oh, do you peel it? Would you... Would you peel it? <laughs> now, a far more interesting example of auto-cannibalism is Japanese performance artist Mao Sugiyama. Massive apologies if I'm saying that wrong, but I'm doing my living best. And so Sugiyama created a sort of think piece by having their penis and testicles surgically removed by a doctor and then cooking them and serving them at, I should add, 250 US dollars per plate to five guests in order to make a statement about not aligning themselves to any gender or sexuality. But... Surely Sugiyama is free to do whatever they want with their own body. And if we aren't going to restrict Joe's dream of living a long life by killing and eating him, then we shouldn't restrict Mao's dream of serving their genitals braised with a side of button mushrooms, surely. Uh, well, one, we absolutely <laughs> certainly should, because they probably wouldn't be able to tell it apart from the button mushrooms. I mean, that's really not for me to say. <laughs> Which brings me to... Survival cannibalism! The best kind of cannibalism! It's the only kind that I can tolerate. Survival cannibalism is probably the type that we're all the most comfortable with. It's certainly the type that Chase is the most comfortable with. I feel sick. I had roast beef that was slightly (laughs) medium rare before this, and I feel quite sick. Okay, that's your mistake. You knew we'd be doing this. And you know what's worse is I really enjoyed it at the time, and now I'm just like... (laughs) (laughs) I've been living on a strict diet of eggs and whiskey, so I'm good to go for any event. Don't say whiskey, it's dry January. Carry on. It's not dry January for me. Uh It's never dry January for me. So, survival cannibalism is when you are forced to eat human flesh in order to avoid starvation. It's, It's a last resort... You're keeping yourself alive. You know, fair enough. Maybe you're on a little life raft or a mountain peak and that all makes sense. It's a situation that a normal person would never, ever find themselves in. You're not just sitting at home one day and then suddenly you go, Oh Jesus, I'm starving. Mary, come here. But a documentary which aired on RTE last November outlined cases of survivor cannibalism which happened during the Irish famine. Now, we're talking about people who were reduced to eating putrid pigs who had been dead far too long to be safely consumed, or who were eating donkeys who died of disease and not slaughter. 
they were literally dying of starvation. So I think it's entirely excusable that there are recorded cases from the counties Cork, Kerry, Galway and Mayo. So, if that's where you are, I'm looking at you, I'm judging you, I'm worried about your ancestors. It's why not many of them have won the Sam Maguire Cup in quite some time, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Mayo for Sam, hon. Mayo for Sam. Mayo for saps. <laughs> Who's from Mayo? Is it the current Taoiseach or the previous Taoiseach? Uh, two previous. Enda Kenny. I was thinking of Enda Kenny. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Not Where's Michal Martin from? Cork. Oh, I can't say Cork for saps with all... Like, I like Cork. Yeah, let's I'm a fan of Cork. He's a sap. Let's, let's move along and let's talk about survival cannibalism in China. Yeah, speaking of someone who I would allow to be eaten outside of survival cannibalism, Michal Martin. Oh, but I can't do it. As I said, I'm still in favour of eat the rich. <laughs> <clears throat> so... Following the Cultural Revolution, when the collectivization of farming wasn't going well, to say the least, and people were starving, Chinese families would sometimes trade children with their neighbors for survival purposes. Do do you want me to keep talking about that, or do we all know what I mean? You're saying that he was a single man, but he had a wife and eight kids? It's not what I'm saying at all. No? No. Okay, cool. Okay. Because nobody wants to eat their own children. That would be horrible. Yeah. Yeah. So you would get the neighbor's kids, and the the neighbors would get your kids. There's a joke somewhere in there about babysitting. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) So, another kind of cannibalism that I think is okay. But, yeah, no, generally I agree with you. If you're going to eat someone, like, eat the 70-year-old who doesn't or have a lot of good living. either left. the oldest or the fattest. One of the two. <laughs> what if the fattest is the youngest? Oh, um... Mm. Sudden death? <laughs> Cage match? <A> quiz. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, the third kind of cannibalism that I think is fine, it has... The Emma seal of the, sorry, the Martin Shkreli seal of approval goes to funerary cannibalism. Which is? It's, you know, it, it's eating the dead as sort of a rite of passage. Okay. So the Wari people of the Amazon basin, they would gather together in like a mortuary setting and they would endeavor to eat the entire corpse of a deceased member of their community because leaving leftovers or any individual refusing to share in the practice was seen as a really serious insult to the immediate family of the deceased. So it's like, you say you like Uncle Ernie, but I don't see you tucking into him. You know, if you love me, then you'll eat me. There's a feminist t-shirt I never thought I needed to see. Because, you know, in a lot of cultures, and I hate to do this, but is it possible that we are only this disgusted by cannibalism? Because we are highly disgusted by cannibalism, clearly. But is that because we're white Europeans and because it has never been a traditional cultural practice for us or for our ancestors? 
No, there's also, I mean, yeah, there's that might be the reason why we're disgusted by it. But also, like, do you not have a natural repulse to it as well? Do you not feel I like mean, you would probably start feeling sick if you were holding a piece of human flesh to your lips? Oh, without a doubt. Even a live person. I don't person. even like... <laughs> I get sick the second someone is near my lips. I'm just like, this is disgusting. Get away from me. But like, when I'm in the supermarket, I, I have to avert my gaze for the whole chickens. Like, I will not roast a whole bird in this house. It's disgusting. It looks like a chicken. I feel bad. That chicken probably had a mother. Like, if I was presented with a piece of prepared human flesh, I would just be crying too much to see it. It would be awful. I would hate it. I understand. So funerary capitalism, or <laughs> capitalism, see what I'm doing? <laughs> Which is a different issue, actually. Yeah, it's another Fuck problem. the funeral industry. Funerary cannibalism, um, survival cap- uh, cannibalism. What else have you got? Is that what you've justified? The thing is, funerary cannibalism, I've given you one example. It was far from exclusive to the Wari people. Cultures all over the world were doing it. It was very much in vogue. And it is still practiced today. Mm-hmm. This is going on now. Mm-hmm. And in particular, I read an account online from a young woman living in Spain who had eaten her grandmother's ashes in 2018 And she claims that this is a family tradition and also part of her ancestral culture to keep the deceased with them. But she didn't mention what exactly their ancestral culture was, which I think is a bit suspicious. You're quite right. And I've got to say, the image of it being brought up at Western funeral culture is weird. Because you can imagine when you're eating the soup and sandwiches and having your cup of tea... And your dad's like slapping you in the back of the head, like, don't do that. We've got to deal with granddad. And you've got granddad in the salt shaker. No, they're like, you're going to get full. You've got to save room. Oh, no. Don't fill up on sandwiches. There's plenty of granny to go around. Let's eat, grandma. <laughs> uh, real quick, do you know what a cannibal, um, or actually, do you know what happens if you're late to the funeral? Oh, God, what happens if you're late to the funeral, Chase? You get the cold shoulder. <laughs> Oh, no. And how would you freshen your breath after eating your granddad? Tell me. Mentos. <laughs> Chase, it's not funny. Someone died. Have some respect. Yeah, and pass the salt. Again, granddad's in the salt shaker, so... Oh, yeah, of course, sorry. I, I will, but you mightn't want it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, are yeah. you done? Are you done um, defending cannibals or have you more to say about that? I'm done talking about cannibalism. Now I want to lead you on a magical journey through the consumption of human cells, which is not widely condemned as cannibalism. Mm-hmm. Such as placentophagy. Now placentophagy, or the eating of the human placenta, straight away in before I did not eat my placenta. I just, I didn't, don't ask me, I didn't do it. Uh-huh. The eating of the human placenta, whether that's cannibalism is kind of still up for debate. And there's a lot of people that argue that, you know, it comes from a human and it's nice and juicy and meaty and whatever. So yeah, sure, it's cannibalism. The thing is, it's a byproduct. Like you're not butchering or harvesting. And the alternative is kind of to throw it in the bin which would be a ridiculous thing to do because the placenta, once it's out, 
once it's been naturally expelled, it is basically this incredibly valuable reservoir of stem cells. So I think in a lot of cases, I get that, where the person who has been pregnant, their body has put up with the stress of supporting a second life for nearly a year now, they need to rebuild their immune system and they're like, do you know what would help me out? A shit load of nutrients and stem cells. It doesn't have that much scientific merit, though, if I'm, if I'm correct. But, you know your I body doesn't know what anecdotes. Your body doesn't know what to do with those stem cells. It just digests them. It doesn't, it doesn't like take in the stem cells and abstract well, them and go, ah, oh, these are fresh new stem cells. We shall send them to rebuild the pelvic wall. That's not really how a body works. Having given birth, I will take, I wish I had at the time, taken one of two options. A, being, you know, it works and it heals you and everything's good. And B, being, it cheers you up a bit because you get like a, like a special poop out of it. Oh, for God's sake, just smoke a joint. Wait, you think smoking a joint makes people poop special? No, just get a little bit high and get the buzz. Let's just have a drink. (laughs) (laughs) However, I know a woman who I do not have permission to name on my podcast. Wonderful. (laughs) Who buried her placenta under a fruit tree. And seemingly the fruit tree gave like double the harvest the following year. So it's good for something like uh-huh. Well, it would be the nutrients working with the soil, that makes sense. But also, like, how, no- how, how good at note-taking for the first harvest was she? I don't know. The tree was in her garden. She looked out the window a lot. <laughs> this seems very scientific. Now, the last... My, my case number five, where I think it's perfectly fine to consume human cells, is the... Ouroboros steak. Now, I want to make it really clear that this is a prototype and not something you can go out and buy, but it does exist. It has been developed successfully to create bite-sized pieces of meat from human cells, and the results are currently on display in a design exhibition. The Ouroboros steak was designed by an interdisciplinary science and design team in the U.S., in order to make a statement about the efficacy of cultured meat. That's meat that was grown in the lab and not taken directly from an animal. So I have a quote here from the team that might help us understand the rationale a little bit and that they didn't just create this thing to be off-putting or grotesque. Fetal bovine serum costs significant amounts of money and the lives of animals. Although some lab-grown meat companies are claiming to have solved this problem, To our knowledge, no independent scientific studies have validated these claims. So, what it is, basically, is it's a a grow-your-own-meat-at-home. But literally. Couldn't you just have a child? That's what I did. Yeah, exactly. I mean, wait, no. No, of course you can't, Chase. It's unethical. Mm-hmm. So no, no, no. You grow your own meat at home. You take a little swab from your cheek. You use your human cells. They're <clears throat> fed using expired donor blood, which is just, that's going to be thrown in the bin as well. It's a byproduct of the medical industry. And you mix it all up and it creates a little bite of meat. 
You grow your own meat at home. You grow your own meat at home. So to go back and use the development team's words instead of my own again, because I, I feel like I've said enough about this. Our design is scientifically and economically feasible, but also ironic in many ways. We're not promoting eating ourselves as a realistic solution that will fix humans' protein needs. We rather ask a question. What would be the sacrifices we need to make to be able to keep consuming meat at the pace that we are? In the future, who will be able to afford animal meat and who may have no other option than culturing meat from themselves? That's, uh, that's a lovely wee thought. Isn't it grand? Yeah, can I give you something cheerier? I'd love to, yeah. Wonderful, let's just pick it up to a little bit of a happier place. Um, you're, a, you're a Tool fan? You like Tool? Mm, kind of. I like Tool. You know the singer of Tool? No. Maynard James Keenan is the lead singer for the band Tool. Oh, what a great name. It's a lovely name, isn't it? Um, Maynard James Keenan... To the public eye, he's the frontman of rock bands Tool and A Perfect Circle. In his off time, he owns a winery. And, and today he cannibal. answers... No, he's not a cannibal. He's not a cannibal. But he's willing to answer the age-old question of what wine would go best with human flesh. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Keenan believes that if someone is chewing human face, a Pinot Noir is best. Um, except uh, when you're eating the nose. Um... According to Keenan, that's mainly cartilage, so you're better off with beer. It's more aligned with hot dogs and bratwurst. Hang on. Do we know, like, what is he basing this on? Uh, well, he owns a winery and he, he, he uh, makes wine specifically to go with certain types of meat and, and different cuisines and stuff. He's a sommelier. Okay, but how much does he know about human meat? Well, he knows where muscle tissues are and stuff. I suppose... I mean, I am kind of just a bipedal cow. It's nothing that much different. Well, we're long pigs, as we discussed. Oh, yeah. Um, so he says, for you, yeah, eating the nose, you want uh, to be better off with just beer, because that's just cartilage, which is basically just what they put into hot dogs. They just have that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he said, that's true of the nose as well as the lips. On the other hand, uh, onophile zombies who are going straight for the tongue are better served with Shiraz. The tongue is heartier and is going to have a little gamier of texture. Um, he'd also argue that a larger Shiraz with some oak in it, Barolo, if you serve it raw. Um, and if you serve it raw, raw with olive oil and herbs, you'll definitely want a Barolo. Interesting. Um, it may seem tasteless to pair wines with human body parts, but it's a subject that has been <laughs> up for debate, at least in popular culture, since Hannibal Lecter spoke of dining on human liver with fava beans and a nice Chianti in the 91 Horror Classic Silence of the Lambs. However, I'm going to be honest, if I go to someone's house and I notice that they have a bottle of Chianti, I do immediately become suspicious. I understand. And, and do you know what? They, they, they cover that here. Okay. Uh, Washington, D.C.-based wine buff Chris McGurn thinks that's uh, a bad choice. I would personally avoid this, as the Chianti might be a little too light for the fattiness of a liver. Um, oh. A Barolo would be a much better choice of Italian wine. Uh, brains are considered the body part of choice for discerning zombies. Damien Caston, who runs Candid Wines, a distributor of small production wines in Chicago, recommends consuming them with a Chenin Blanc from Saumur or a Chardonnay from the Maconnais in Burgundy. Of course, this assumes that you are simmering the brain in a cream sauce. 
this also assumes that you have time to treat the brains gently, and that will often mean soaking them in milk for a few hours. Um, what? I mean, yeah, this is this is this is the best pairing because if you're going to cook the brain, you want to soften it. It'd be quite tough otherwise. Um, First of all, I thought you couldn't eat the brain. No, so you can get sick. Uh, there is a specific type of sickness, much like mad cow disease, that I can um, that you can get. But it depends. You could, in theory, eat the brain. It might be called that. Could it be called that? I think it's. It might be. I would call it that if it were my job to name diseases. I'm going to put it this way. It's not because I wanted to name COVID nineteen something completely different. Of course, we all did. Uh, I would just hang on to that bit of information and maybe try and refine it slightly for the quiz later. Meanwhile, former wine shop owner and confirmed foodie Lauren Chambers Azure believes that aspiring zombies would best be served, literally, by pairing wines from the same region as the person being consumed. Grape fresh, like human, is largely water-based. As such, as such, the varietal, as well as what it absorbs through its environment, will be large contributors in how it tastes. Mm-hmm. Um, others' factors might be age, physical and health condition. For instance, an overweight woman non-smoker would taste far superior to a muscle-bound man who smokes. Um, but Nick Pelez, a sommelier at Saltbox Dining and Drinking in San Diego, disagrees. He said that humans are the best humans to pair with, or smokers are the best humans to pair with wine. Why? Yeah. For pairing purposes, I would recommend picking a meaty person who has tobacco notes, a smoker, as well as someone who enjoyed berries throughout their life. Also, the lazier the better. They're more tender. So stick to couch potatoes and video gamers. Is the tobacco flavor really going to like, is it going to get to your legs though? Surely this only applies if you're eating someone's lungs. I mean, it probably gets permeated the whole way through, like any sort of piece of meat from the chest, probably. Hmm. Get through your skin. Hang on, let me just let me just write that down for the weekend. Yeah, good idea. Yeah, Run, yeah. kids. Um, meanwhile, Castan believes that cooking method or lack thereof is important to consider. I guess that uncooked face is texturally pretty chewy with a fair amount of muscle. If there is no time to braise, I'd need a ton of acid to cut through the meat. So I'm going to pull a magnum of young Grosus Giwak, Grand Cru Riesling, and drink all I can before the bullets start flying. Like all of the people interviewed, Castan has never actually sampled human flesh and is not a zombie. He was quick to add that he never expected to use the knowledge he gained working in French restaurants to recommend that Riesling and face might pair well. (laughs) And to finish off the interview, he said, I'm going to throw up now. (laughs) Fair. So there you go. That's uh, your wine pairings. You've got some advice for the weekend, which is nice. Good to know. Well, that'd be fun. I've I've put it in my... uh in my special notebook. <laughs> do you want to do a cannibalism quiz? Oh, kind of. We can have some fun with this. It's kind yeah, of cannibalistic. Go. It's a bit related. Uh, so, cannibalism relates to eating a member of the same species. What is the specific term for humans eating other humans? Is it phrenology, necromancy, mantisism, or anthropophagy? Anthropophagy. It is anthropophagy, correct. Mm-hmm. In my defense, that's not because I eat people, it's just because I know words. You know, it's just so funny because they're going to be on you like fucking brown on a trout for the next few weeks, the law enforcement. Like, do you know how many watch lists I have been placed on today? Well, it's another five now, at least. (laughs) Yeah. In what 1973 film, set in 2022, does Tough Cop Thorn discover that the miracle foodstuff feeding a starving population is actually recycled human? Is it Starving Marvin? The Stuff... Silent Green. 
Can I finish off the titles? <laughs> no. <laughs> Starving Marvin, The Stuff, Soylent Green, or Mulch of a Mulchness? <laughs> I'm sorry I got so excited, but it is Soylent Green. It is Soylent Green, you're quite right. Yep. Uh, which actor portrayed Hannibal Lecter in the 2013 TV series Hannibal? Was it Nads Nicholson, Sad Sickleson, Mads Mickelson, or Nicola Sturgeon? I'm going to go with Mads Nicholson. Was that one of the options? No, it's not. Oh, wait, tell, tell them to me again. Nads Nicholson, Sads Sickleson, Mads Mickelson, or Nicola Sturgeon? I'm going with C, the M one. Mads Mickelson, you are correct as well. Now, don't get too excited for this one, because I want to make sure you get it right. Which disease, known as the laughing disease, was seen in tribes from Papua New Guinea after eating human brains? Is it Kuru, Mirikuru, Malikuru, or Hot and Wet Syndrome? Okay, first of all, are you making fun of my hot, dry brain? Because I don't appreciate that. That's exactly what I was going for. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad you remembered. How how dare you? Um... (laughs) I'm going C again. I don't remember what it was, but it sounded kind of manic. Is Malikuru? Malikuru. Let's have Malikuru. You're incorrect. Oh. I'm sorry to say it is Kuru. Was it B? Oh, it's just Kuru? It's just Kuru. You threw me off with your little preamble. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well done. Ah, uh, playing the long game here. Uh, the which one. This is all very cannibal related, as you can tell. <laughs> Which Canadian singer released their UK number one man eater in 2006? Was it Shania Twain, Vanessa Carlton, Nelly Furtado, or Natasha Bedingfield? It was Nelly Furtado, and I know because I had her around for dinner just before the pandemic. <laughs> She's still like a bird. Does she want to fly away? She really, really wanted to fly away, but more like a pig than a bird. <laughs> a long pig, actually, I believe the term was. Funnily enough, yeah. Okay. Four down. You got four points. And there's three questions to go. Okay. Which American death metal band released their concert album Live Cannibalism in the year 2000? Was it Pig Destroyer, Flesh God Apocalypse, Cannibal Corpse, or Danzig? I feel like Cannibal Corpse is the trick answer. So I'm going to say Danzig. It's Cannibal Corpse. Damn it. Yeah. That was a double bluff. How dare you reverse psychology me? What's even better is I didn't have to um I didn't have to make up any of those names. They're all real. Um In the 2007 film Zombieland, which character uses the phrase time to nut up or shut up? Was it Wichita, Columbus, Tallahassee or Little Rock? Those are place names. All the characters in Zombieland name themselves after the town they're from so as not to get attached. Oh, fuck, that's sad. Yeah. Okay, um, Tallahassee. Is correct. Fuck yeah! <laughs> Good for me. You just, it's because you knew it was Florida, so you're like, yeah, nut up or shut up, that's a Florida saying. Truly, that was my logic, yes. Okay, this one is too famous a film. Like, too famous. So I'm, I'm going to ask you to name it, but I'm just going to give you a series of disconnected images and phrases. Black and white. That is so unfair. Unnerving music. Scenes in the cemetery. Shot in Pennsylvania. The Coopers. Smart Ben and useless Barbara. And a goofy looking guy with glasses who says, they're coming to get you, Barbara. What is the title of this iconic masterpiece? Is it Day of the Dead? Night of the Living Dead? The Dead Don't Die? 
or House of the Rising Dead? Okay, I know that two of those are movies. They're all movies. And the other two, oh, okay. Actually, no, one of them's a pun. Either way, I'm just going to have to, you know, go on instinct and say Night of the Living Dead. Is correct. Um, oh, I'm too good. That's pretty good. The Dead Don't Die came out last year, starring Bill Murray and Tom Waits and Adam Driver. It's very, very good. Uh, Day of the Sorry, Dead. Bill Murray is in a zombie movie. Yeah, zombie comedy. It's actually very good. Worth a look. Uh, House of the Rising Dead, obviously just a pun on House of the Rising Sun. Yeah. Uh, but the original Night of the Living Dead, directed by George er- George Romero, cost about $114,000 to make. It ended up grossing $30 million both inside the US and internationally, created a brand new genre for the horror fan and spawned numerous remakes and sequels. At that time, it was a controversial film. Lots of graphic cannibalism, a mother's death at the hand of her child, a black lead who was portrayed as smarter and more resourceful than any of the white people in the film, and a downer ending. Not very popular in 1968. Almost all of the script was improvised, and two of the actors have said they were unable to eat strawberry jam for over a decade after completing filming. You've actually made me want to watch it. It's worth a go. Like, sold. I thought you'd enjoy that. I just, well, I just, you know, I know you're not into films, so I thought I'd have that little Mm. bit just to let you know some of the magic of cinema and what you might be missing out on. like, there are some good films out there. I do accept that. I've seen some films. (laughs) Now, I've been waiting to do this all day. Emma, would you like to om nom 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 log us out? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to do what you do. I'm Chase, give me permission to perform my own monologue. Thanks very much for coming, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Emma, please perform <laughs> your monologue. Thank you. The year was 2027. You saw a banner... <laughs> Don't make that face at me. The year was 2027. Okay. You saw a banner ad with an image of this airy, spacious clinic where beautiful young professionals with impossibly straight teeth and shiny hair go to donate their cells. It seemed bizarre, and yet you toyed with the idea of signing up. But they only wanted cells from the fittest and healthiest people, and I mean really. Who'd eat you? Use your head. If you won't sit next to someone on a bus, you sure as fuck don't want them inside you. The process was expensive and time-consuming, but we were suddenly able to grow more food in a smaller space than we ever could with livestock, which is amazing. And nobody wants that yucky cultivated animal meat, because that's what's unethical. As the process became more streamlined, we saw the number of factory farms fall drastically. Fewer and fewer animals were being kept in unfit conditions and dying afraid. The ozone layer grew stronger than ever, and there are fewer people. St- there are fewer starving and hungry people today. What a time to be alive! In 2038, a marketing campaign featuring a talking cow told you about how the process had been refined again, constant advancement, and all that. Suddenly, you could eat any grown meat from any consenting cell donor. The real key factor is consent. So we just might as well eat smokers, you know? It's all very scientific, and you know that for a fact, because you only scroll through the very best websites when you're on the toilet. Demand shot up. The private company who harvests people's cells and ship them to the meat plant are, frankly, pretty darn expensive. So the meat plant got to thinking. 
they reached out to the US prison system and maybe the military, but that was never confirmed. And again, just like we got used to eating smokers, we got used to eating... We got used to the idea of cell collection from captive donors. These things just become a fact of life. Another one of those things that you're not happy about, but you don't really know how to stop. Just Would like that be white a donor supremacy. kebab? <laughs> or, well, factory farming. Again, a donor kebab. Someone consented. You can boycott it, sure. You can vote with your wallet, but where did that get you when you didn't want the cryogenically frozen head of Jeff Bezos to replace Santa Claus, hmm? Be realistic, will you? <laughs> So much time has passed and so many advancements have been made since I started talking that nobody has had to starve in predominantly white countries. Don't worry about the rest of the world. We're not talking about the rest of the world. Because they can drop a month's supply of shelf-stable meat growth pods to your house by drone. So, speak of the devil, Amazon did go ahead and buy the meat plant way back in 2042 because it just made sense to keep like with like. They've gotten pretty damn good over the years at coercing, oh, sorry, at collecting consent from people, and they're now the world's number one supplier of nutrient-dense protein product. So, as Anne Doyle's synthesized consciousness chats away about Ireland's exports and roaming gangs of anthropomorphic wasps with machetes and news report that you only half listen to and only pretend to understand, and you take that first satisfying bite of protein product a meal made possible by warehouse worker number 35772, you feel a tiny pang of guilt. Maybe even of panic. Because you told your neighbour you'd go water her plants, but you forgot to. You'll deal with it later, you tell yourself. You're absolutely starving right now. <clears throat> Thank you guys so much for joining us on another episode of I Swear to God I Don't Eat People, I Really Don't. Don't call anyone, take me off all your watch lists. Have a wonderful week. I'll keep an eye on them, folks. Take care.